Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from the Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, as we proceed in the church season of Epiphany, we come to the story as Mark records it in the first chapter of his book of Jesus calling his first disciples, Mark chapter 4, verses 14 through 20. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. So far of God's holy word. the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has graciously caught us for his heavenly kingdom, dear fellow redeemed. <clears throat> ich theology. You have your bulletin open to page three where you can see that strange word and that familiar symbol next to it. Ich theology. Not a word you often hear, much less use every day. What does it mean? Well, it's similar in a way to a word such as biology and the O-L-O-G-Y part means the study of and bios has to do with life, so biology is the study of life. If you're taking a college course in anthropology, that would be the study of anthropos, man, human beings. What about ichthyology? Well, the Greek word for Fish happens to be ichthys, and so ichthyology would naturally be the study of fish. For our purposes today, we're going to talk about the study of fishing. The study of fishing, which brings me to a story of a couple who had just reached retirement age, Jim and Tammy. Jim and Tammy reached retirement age. They found themselves with time on their hands. They decided together to pick up a hobby that neither of them up to that time had known nothing about. They said, let's go fishing. But they wanted to be well prepared. So what they did was they went to the library to check out some books about fishing and they watched the YouTube videos and they even went to a seminar about techniques for bass fishing. And they started buying all the gear. They bought poles and line and lures another tackle, and they even bought a boat and some hip waders. They got themselves all the way ready with all the knowledge and equipment they need, but sad to say, even though their health was good, they got all the way ready and never actually bothered to go. They never got out on the water. They never baited a hook. They never reeled in the big one and landed him in the boat. It was all a big waste of time and money. It's an imaginary story, of course, but I'm trying to get at a different point. What does it really have to do with? 
who does it really have to do with? Does it have to do with you? Perhaps. And really the story is about Jesus' school of ichthyology. And I'm here to tell you, it's not just about knowledge of Jesus in the Bible. It's about real experience and real effort. Let's look in on the syllabus of this school of our Savior, Jesus' School of Ichthyology. It's pretty simple. It goes from 101 courses right up through the graduate level. Repent, believe, follow, fish, repeat. As mentioned earlier, you're all aware we're in the church season of Epiphany. Epiphany is about shining a spotlight on the person of Jesus. Not just the man, Jesus of Nazareth, but a spotlight that reveals him as the true Son of God and the Savior of all. And so we've come, after we hear about the Magi, we hear about, very often we'll hear about the wedding at Cana and various miracles of Jesus. The time has come in this season of the church year to hear about the calling of his first disciples. And what was their profession before they became full-time disciples? Well, these first four were professional fishermen. Yet, Jesus was about to call them to an entirely different vocation that had some important things in common with what they'd done before. But I don't know if you noticed that when he called them to this new job, he told them it was going to be a process. You have to look kind of closely. Look again at verse 17, will you? Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. It's not as though he's going to put them in a school and on day one he hands them a diploma and says, okay, now you're all the way trained and you're fishers of men. No, it was a process. You don't start out with a certificate that says fisherman for Jesus. You have to start at the start. And so we start here in Jesus' school of ichthyology with the one-on-one level. And that has to do with that big capital R word that Jesus proclaimed. Verse 15. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. And there's that big word. Repent. That's the first course. What does it mean and how does it help you in your education? In this particular school, let me tell you a couple of stories to illustrate the point. On the fifth floor of the San Jose County Jail many years ago, I was just getting done with one of my regular Bible classes, and as the inmates were filing out of the room, one stayed behind. A huge man, a huge man in an orange jumpsuit standing against the wall near the door, and he was staring at his orange plastic flip-flops and never looked up. But he said, Pastor, would you wait a minute? I said, what's on your mind? He said, six months ago, I was tried and convicted for domestic battery. I beat my wife up. And I did my weeks in jail and was on probation and resolved that that was never going to happen again. Now I'm back because I did it again. From what you're saying here from the Bible, is there any hope for a man like me? He had the big R. He was 
guilty and he knew it and he was sorrowful about it, desperate for some kind of solution. So I was very happy to tell him, hey, if a persecutor of Christians became the best missionary in the world and the Apostle Paul said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief, then he's your savior too. And if he had a criminal, a career criminal, uh, at his side when he was being crucified and he said, today you'll be with me in paradise, you have that same savior too. He had repentance. What's the other story? Years after that, I had occasion to visit a nice little old lady. She was a decades-long member of the church I served at that time. She had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. The doctor said she had probably less than a month to live. So, of course, I visited her. We'll call her Mabel. I said, Mabel, you know you're not going to be with us much longer, don't you? She said, yes, Pastor, I know that. And I said, after you do die, are you confident about where you're going to be? She said, Pastor, I'm going to be in heaven. And I said, how do you know that for sure, Mabel? What was her answer? She said, well, I've always been a good Christian. I couldn't know exactly what she meant by that. Perhaps she meant, I've always put my trust in Jesus, but anything that begins with I is a red flag. And so I had to gently, in an appropriate way, talk to her about repentance, about how the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that we all are guilty and deserve damnation. It's only in Christ that our hope is found. And I'm thankful that at the conclusion she said, yes, pastor, that's right, it's about Jesus. And I'm confident I'll meet her someday. But I'm telling you both stories to provide you with the contrast. It doesn't matter whether you're a career criminal or a lifelong respectable churchgoer. You need to fairly squarely face the truth about yourself and say with the Apostle Paul, I know that in me that is in my sinful flesh, nothing good dwells. You need to come face to face with that desperate need for someone else's righteousness and find it in the person of Christ. There's the first course. I need it as much as you do. Repent in Jesus' fishing school. The second course in ichthyology, the 201 level, well, this is the good news. The bad news is our horrible need to repent because we've broken God's commandments time and time again. But Jesus went throughout Galilee proclaiming the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God. And lo and behold, it's right here pictured for you, that good news in that symbol right there in your bulletin. And you've seen it a hundred times if you've seen it once on a bumper, on the internet, on a t-shirt perhaps, in print. It's that fish symbol, and everybody knows it's a symbol of Christianity. Not everybody knows why it's a symbol of Christianity. It's because of the Greek word. It's because of ichthys, that means fish. And it's because each of the letters of that Greek word stand for something very important and great news about who Jesus is. It's laid out there for you. You don't have to read Greek to understand it. The I in ichthys stands for Jesus, Jesus. The X in ichthys stands for Christos, Christ. That big circle thing with the line in it is a theta, a TH sound. It stands for theos, that means God. 
The U, with a little mark over it, has an H sound at the front. Hui, hui us, it means son. And the S at the end stands for soterion, it means savior. So any time since centuries and centuries ago, one Christian drew a line in the sand of two intersecting arcs that formed a fish, he was able to say to the person next to him, I believe that Jesus Christ is God the Son and Savior, my Savior. That's the gospel that Jesus came to proclaim. He said throughout Galilee, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Just a summary, but there are other places in the New Testament where he expanded on what he meant by that. What the good news really was, for instance, in Luke chapter 19, Jesus said, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So if you know yourself to be lost, you're just the kind of person Jesus came looking for. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom, a ransom for many. All the debt that I owed, all the sins that would have condemned me, he came to pay for it all. And when he said from the cross, it is finished, the debt was fully paid. And knowing that Savior, you have no debts with God. You have no sin whatever. You're perfectly pure and holy and definitely on your way to heaven. And it's given to you absolutely free of charge. That's the grace. That's the good news that Jesus preached. And it's good news that really Peter and Andrew, his brother, and the two brothers, James and John, were already familiar with. This is not their first encounter with Jesus. They knew of him and his words and his missions. They were already believers in him. This is the point where he called them to become his full-time followers. And that's the third course in Jesus' school of ichthyology. Repent, believe, follow. And this is where, in the course of your instruction, you'll find out that there's tuition involved. What? Tuition? Didn't you just get done saying, Pastor Nauman, that salvation is a free gift of God's grace? Hold on to that because it's absolutely true and nothing should ever take away from that that my path to heaven has already been fully paid and through the work of the Holy Spirit becomes my possession absolutely free of charge. That remains true. But Jesus was also very plain that as we're going through this life, if we're going to faithfully follow him, there is a cost here and now. He told us plainly, for instance, in Luke chapter 9, then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Was there a cost for Peter and Andrew and James and John in following Jesus? Oh, there absolutely was. Peter and Andrew casting their nets, he said, follow me. They left the whole thing and went after, not knowing what their lodging and food was going to be, but from now on, we're going to travel with this guy, leaving vocation, previous vocation, family, friends, because of Jesus. James and John, 
not just a small family business. They had hired servants, but when Jesus saw them mending their nets, he said, follow me, and they dropped everything. And they went into his full-time school. And after this, after Jesus' death and resurrection, you know the costs that they were given to pay. They endured imprisonment, beatings, mocking, and finally, each of them lost his life because of their faith, except for John. He got to be an old man, but was exiled because of his faith as an elderly man. Oh, there was a high price for them to pay. What about you? If you're going to be in this school and respond to Jesus' call to follow him, will there be a price to pay? No doubt there will. No doubt there will be friendships that you value that you will no longer have because those friends don't look at the world and the Bible and Jesus the way you do. When Jesus says, deny yourself, there are certain activities and pleasures of this world that you're going to say, if it's not for God's children, it's not for me. There's a cost. If you value the respect of your co-workers and perhaps family members and neighbors and you lose it, because you're going to be faithful about following the Word of God, that hurts. It's a cost. But whatever the cost may be, they can't compare with what you've been freely given in Christ. And he says it's all coming back and more. It's in Matthew chapter 19, verse 29. The Savior said, Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. So, repent, believe, follow. Now it's time to actually wet your line. We come to the course, the syllabus matter in the school of ichthyology, where Jesus tells us, yes, go ahead and fish. Remember Phil and remember Jim and Tammy learning to fish, getting all the equipment, but never actually putting a line in the water? Learning to fish is useless if you don't actually fish. And part of being in Jesus' school, part of following him, is actually doing the same kind of fishing he did. Verse 16. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. So they left their former vocation of being professional, literal fishermen, followed Jesus, learned from him, and they learned from him to bring the exact same message that he had been bringing. The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent and believe the gospel. They were to proclaim it. Now what about you? You've been caught. You've been graciously caught because God left his word recorded faithfully down through the centuries and you've had parents or pastors or teachers or all of the above who have brought this word to you so you can know your sins and repent, so you know who Jesus is and you're trusting in what he's done you can respond to his call to follow him, and though we all do it imperfectly, it's our aim and goal. Well, now what? Now we are his instrument to catch others, 
to save them. You have the gear, you have the knowledge, you have the best reason, the best motivation to share this precious treasure with all who will hear. And it's not a difficult message. There's bad news. With our sins, we're lost entirely. There's good news. With Jesus, we're completely free and guaranteed eternal life and glory. Repent and believe the good news. The question now is, if you do this, <clears throat> is anybody going to actually bite? Will it work? Well, look at the powerful word of God in Jonah's day, the message of his stern judgment. Did it work? It absolutely did. Everybody in that whole city sat down in ashes and sackcloth, and God did not bring a terrible judgment on the city as he said he would otherwise. It was effective. It's a mixed bag. It's different, really, when Paul addressed the men of Athens in the Areopagus. Do you remember that? Boy, what a sermon. I'm going to tell you who the unknown God is. There is only one, not stone or wood. But he appointed a man to come and judge the entire world, and he proved that he's the one by raising him from the dead. He got to Jesus in the resurrection. And at that point, what was the reaction? Some mocked. He had to endure their derision. There was a cost there. Perhaps in some subtle way, it was worse when other people just sort of gave him a polite brush off. We'll hear you again on this matter. Not. They weren't really interested. But some believed. Some believed. And it was God's will for the Spirit to enter their heart, to come to know their sin, and Jesus as their Savior, and it made an eternal difference for those some, and can truly make an eternal difference for those some to whom you bring the message, for the people that you take the trouble to actually start fishing for. Listen, it's by God's grace alone that you've come this far through Jesus' school of repentance and faith and following and fishing. You might be asking at this point, okay, so where's my diploma? When do I graduate? I'm sorry, I don't have any diploma for you. It's not coming in this life. Nobody graduates from Jesus' school in this life because there will never be a day when you do not need to repent as we sin daily. There will never be a day when you do not need to hear once again and be encouraged and made confident by the gospel of the Savior. Need that every single day. There will never be a day when you do not need to rededicate yourself to following him as best you can according to his word. And there will never be a day when there's no opportunity to help advance the kingdom of God. Pray for the opportunities, you get ready to do the fishing, you bring the message where you're able, and even if the opportunities are not many, every Christian can fold their hands and ask God to send others and for this message to prosper and others to become believers in Christ. It never ends. That's why the last step in this school is repeat. You don't graduate until the day when it's time to meet Jesus in person, until it's time to look into the eyes of the Savior, take his hand, and meet the one who gave up everything for you, 
who searched diligently for you and caught you for eternal life, who asks you now to follow him and gives you the faith and strength to do so. And on that great graduation day, you're going to hear his welcoming words, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then, at that blessed then, there will be only joy forevermore. And this is all for those who have been led by the Holy Spirit to be enrolled, by, enrolled in and beautifully blessed by Jesus Fishing School. In his name, amen. <clears throat> and may the peace of God, which passes all our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.